Well, before we get into the message itself, I actually want to, uh, I just want to share a few things of how, how we got here and some things God's put on my heart for this, this church before we get into the message. Um, you know, it was back in August, for those who are, have been a part of Discover, back in August, it w- that was a point where you discovered that there was going to be a little transition here at the church, right? And what we didn't realize was at that time, God began to prepare our hearts. And back in August, my wife actually had a dream. And at the time, you know, we're not dream people. We're not like, oh, every dream, what does it mean? And exactly all these kind of things. But it was a very clear and a very unique dream. And, and we began to ask, you know, I was asking questions when I heard it, like, what does that mean? Um, but in this dream, there was a very clear message that came out of it that said, our, the former lead pastors of this church, Andrew and Rachel, were in this dream. And there was this clear picture of them handing something to us. And it was, it was one of these moments where it's like, whoa, what, what does that mean exactly? And it was six months later when Pastor Clarence called us that we began to realize, oh, God, maybe you're doing something here. Maybe you've been preparing us for something. And we weren't, we weren't necessarily ready for it. We loved where we were at, but God began to birth something in our hearts. And for the next month, it kind of became the month of tears. My wife just kept, she'd keep walking into rooms and I'd be crying. She's like, Greg, what's your problem? <laughs> you keep crying. But God was breaking me for this community, for this church body. And, uh, and I think he was preparing us for what was going to take place here. And, and it's cool to see it. We always said God was going to have to rip us out of the, the last place we were at. Well, that's what he did. He ripped us out, and he just burdened our hearts for this place. And during this season, uh, these, you know, month or so of this process, God was starting to birth things in my heart. He began to speak vision into my heart for this church. And, and that's what I shared about a month ago uh, with you guys. But I want to share it again, and, and it probably won't be the last time you hear this. Um, but I want to share some of the things God's put on my heart because he said, hey, these are the things that you need to value. These are the things that need to be important moving forward. Not to say that they haven't been important in the past, but these need to be the core values of what you're built on moving forward if you're going to reach this community for Jesus. And so he put three things in my heart, and, and you heard these last month. And the first one is this, is that we're going to be gospel-centered. We're going to be gospel-centered. We are not here to preach religion because religion is dead. We are not here to preach a system or a ritual. That is not the purpose. We're not even here to preach a moral life. The goal is not how can we be good people? How can we live more moral lives? That's not really the goal. Jesus came to to bring a gospel. What does that word gospel mean? It means good news. And what is the good news? The good news isn't that we try harder. And if we try really, really hard, maybe we'll be good enough for him. And the gospel says this, there is a perfect holy God, holy God that we could never get close to. We could never approach because we're broken. How many know you ain't perfect? I ain't perfect. If you expect me to be perfect, you should not be here, okay? Okay? We're not perfect. We get that, all right? So, so, so what are we supposed to do? Well, this God, he knew there's nothing we could do to get to him, so he came to us. He sent his son for us. And that's the good news. There is a God who is pursuing you. And I don't know where, why you're here today. Maybe you just walked in the door today and you're struggling in life and you don't know what's going on. And you're like, I don't know where to turn. Guess what? There is a God who loves you. Loves you so much. He is willing to come after you. That's what he's done. And this is the gospel we're here to teach. I'm not hoping that our kids just are nice, good church kids. I'm, hoping, I'm not hoping our youth are nice, good, good church teens. No, I want them to be grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the hope for this world, okay? And so that is what we are going to be grounded on. We are centered on the gospel, all right? Second thing is this. 
we're gonna embrace the struggle. We're gonna embrace the struggle. I can say this because I'm a church kid. I grew up in the church. I've been in the church my whole life, all right? But sometimes in the church, we can do something that is hurtful to people. We can give off this perception that you gotta have it all together at church. You gotta put your Sunday best on. You gotta put a mask on and just fake it. If you don't, if you don't have it all together, at least pretend like you've got it all together. That's so destructive. It's destructive for ourselves and it's destructive for this church. And if we're gonna be a church that really reaches a community and reaches lost people, then we have to be willing to embrace the struggle of life. How many know life isn't easy all the time? Like everything ain't perfect, you know? Like it isn't always working the way you planned it to work out, okay? So we have to embrace the struggle of life. We have to be willing to come in and say, you know what? Everything isn't perfect in my life. You know what? I'm going through a rough season right now. I can be honest about that. And as you and I are willing to be honest about where we're out to embrace the struggle that is life, we create an environment that's safe for other people to embrace the struggle of their life, to be real. And as we do that as a church, when people walk in from our community, you know what they're going to see? You know what? These people are broken just like me. They just have a hope I don't have. And that's what we're going to, we are going to embrace the struggle of life. But it's not just the struggle of life. We're going to embrace the struggle of faith. Faith is not just up and to the right all the time. Faith is, this isn't what faith, like I just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I never have any problems. No, you know what happens in our faith sometimes? We hit a, we hit a moment, we hit a situation, we hit a question in life and suddenly it's like, whoa, what just happened there? And we're, we're forced to struggle with something. We're, be, we're forced to struggle with some questions that you have. You've been through seasons like that in your life. And I think that's, that's okay, that's good. Because it's when you have an opportunity to struggle with your faith that it comes out stronger on the other side. And so I want to create an environment around here that is safe for us to struggle with faith, to wrestle with faith a little bit. But it's not just for us. You want to know why? It's for our kids and for our teens. Because listen, sometimes we have teens and we have kids that are raised in church. They know all the church stuff. They know the verses. They know all those things, but they were never allowed the freedom to ask the hard questions. They were never forced to wrestle with their faith. And they hit their 20s. They hit their 30s. And something happens in their life. And suddenly they think they need to throw it all out. I don't get this. I don't understand this. Oh, dear God, may we never build a culture that says it's not safe to ask a question. Hear this. God is strong enough to deal with our questions. And we are going to build a culture around here that says it is okay to wrestle with your faith. It is okay to struggle with your faith. That's okay. You don't have to have it all together. Because I am praying for your kids, for my kids, that when they get older, they have a rock-solid faith that is tested, that is sure, that is not just a fake thing that says just be a good Christian. No, it is tested. It is firmly built on Jesus. Okay? And I want that for your kids as well. Third thing that we're going to be is this. We're going to be the church. We're going to be the church. We're not just going to do church. We're not going to go to church. Yeah, we're going to have services. That's great. But we are going to be the church. And this is the one that I know this is your heart. This is what you have been here. You've always been about how can we meet one another's needs in this body? How can we love on one another? How can we care for one? When somebody's hurting, how can we come around them and serve them? That's what you have been. And that's what we're going to be here as a church. I don't care how small this church is. I don't care how big this church is. We are going to continue to be a family of people that care about one another. Okay? But it's more than just in these walls. We are going to be the church to this community. Okay? This this community is not going to just know that we do gatherings on Sundays. They are going to know that we love them. Because we are going to do practical things to meet needs. 
I'm looking for ways to connect with our mayor and to, to say, how can we serve this community? How can we make this community better? I want them, if, if we were to ever talk about closing our doors, I want them banging the doors down saying, you better not close because you're making too big of a difference here, okay? And so that's what this church is about, okay? And I know the, the cool part for me is that we're not starting something new. This church has a long history. And, and so many of you have served so faithfully and we are building on that heritage. And God is gonna breathe something new here because of what you have done in this community. But God has put a verse, and I shared this a month ago as well. God has put a verse on my heart, and I believe it's for this church, for this time, okay? And many of you are familiar with this verse. It's John 10.10. The first part of this verse says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. How many of you have experienced that in life? You know what that, we all know what that's like. We go through times, it's like, man, we're just getting beat up, just getting beat up. But I don't think this is just true for our individual lives. This, if you've been here for more than four years, this has been true in this church. There have been some seasons in this church where the enemy has wanted to do nothing less than to steal and kill and to destroy. But I believe that there is a promise. Jesus gives a promise. This is Jesus talking. He gives a promise, and I believe it's for your life, and I believe it's for this church. And here's the promise. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's true for your individual life. God wants life for you. But it's more than just the everyday version of life, okay? Because there is a word here. The word for life is this. It's zoe. Zoe. Okay, this is the Greek word for life, okay? Zoe. You know what zoe means? Abundant, overwhelming, eternal life that only comes from God. This is spiritual life that God wants to breathe into this church, he doesn't just want us to be breathing. We're not just breathing here. He wants to pour his spirit into us, into your individual lives, the circumstances of your life, whatever you're going through. God wants to do that. But in this church where the enemy has wanted to steal and kill and destroy, God wants to breathe his Zoe into this place. And he wants to do something that is not marked by me or not marked by Amber. It is marked only by him. He is the one at work. He's the one doing this thing. And we are just getting to be a part of it, okay? That's what God wants to do in this place. So I'm gonna invite you, even before we get into the message, would you just pray with me? I wanna pray over this church before we get into our message today. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you are doing here, God. We thank you that this is, God breathe, this is your plan. You are up to something. God, we can trust you in that. God, I pray uh, for every single person in this place. God, I pray for those that this is gonna be their church, this is their home, God, I pray that they would feel a deep and profound connection to this body. God, that goes far beyond just showing up on Sunday, but it's as a family that is gonna serve one another, care about one another, and reach this lost world with the hope of Jesus. God, I just pray this all, we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, that was my setup, sorry. Don't worry, the message isn't that long. We're good, okay? Uh, a question for you. How many of you ever had a circumstance in life when, when <laughs> he raised his hand? He doesn't even know what the question is yet. <laughs> uh, you had a circumstance in life where you, you had this expectation. You had a plan. You thought it was going to go this way, and it went this way. You ever had that happen in life? Like, what in the world? Okay, I, some of you are planners. How many of you are planners out there? You like to have your ducks in a row, right? Some of you, like you have, and you got your plan. I got it all figured out. And then what just happened? Okay, 
that was not what I expected. This happened to us uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We were blessed. My parents took us to Disney World. It was crazy. And we got to go to be at Disney World. And we were going to be at Disney on my daughter's fifth birthday. Okay, so this was several months ago. Amber gets this idea. She's like, I got this idea, Greg. We're going to take Diella to Cinderella's castle on her birthday. And she's going to have lunch with the princesses. And I'm like, great. That's a great idea. This is going to be awesome. And see, and Amber's all jacked up about this. And so she starts planning. She gets it. Just her and DL are going to this, do this thing. We get it booked. It was awesome. She's like, I got an idea. I'm going to buy her a princess dress. And she's going to wear the princess dress to the castle to have lunch with all the princesses. It's going to be awesome. Great. Whatever. And for two months, Amber is, or Diella is, well, Amber was excited too. Let's be honest. But but Diella is all jacked. Like, she's, I'm going to go with the princess. She's all excited. She's all excited. This is great, whatever. So the day comes. She has a different outfit on, and it's, a, it's an hour until the lunch. And so, great. She goes in. She's going to get dressed. She puts her dress on. She's got her hair up. She whatever. Okay, this is going to be great. And we start walking to the castle. And she's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you do. We've, we've been talking about this for months. You, you want to go? This is going to be awesome. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the castle. I'm like, yeah, you do. Trust me. We bought a dress. You're going to go to the castle. And then she starts crying. I just don't want to go. I don't want to go. This is a picture of her. I got a picture of her in her little princess dress. She's... I'm not making this up, folks. She's in her princess dress. She's ready to go. And then I re- and Amber and I started talking. And we're like, we've already paid for this thing. Sweetheart, you're going to have the greatest time of your life. <laughs> Trust me, you are going to the castle. Okay? And it was like, what are we doing here? Whatever. And after an hour, literally an hour of this, we finally convinced her she should go. It was not the greatest time of her life, but she, she was okay. Took a few pictures, whatever. It was not what we expected. I'll tell you that much, okay? But we can deal with these, these kind of things. Not a big deal. But there's other times in life where our expectations aren't quite met, you know? There's the times where you, you had that job that you wanted. You thought you deserved that promotion, and you just didn't get it. You're like, I don't get that, God. I mean, that, I don't understand this one. Or there's that relationship. Some of you had a relationship in your life, and you thought things were going this way. You, th- you thought it was all good, and right now it's not going that way. You go in the other direction. And maybe things ended. Maybe you've ended in divorce, and you're like, God, I don't get this. That was, that was not my plan, Lord. I didn't expect that. Or maybe... Maybe you're just looking for wisdom in your life, and you're like, I, God, I'm, I'm asking for wisdom, and you're just not telling me what to do. I don't understand what you're doing, God. I don't get this here. Maybe there's some of you, you, you were hoping to have a child, and it just, just hasn't happened. You know, you, you get to those seasons in life where it's just like, this isn't what I expected, God. This wasn't the plan, right? We're going to look at a story this morning of a group of people who had the exact same thing happen to them. They were in that place where they just didn't get it. They didn't like it. And I think, I think we're going to see a truth about who God is that's going to give us some perspective in those seasons to help meet us when we're in those times. We just are wrestling when we don't know what to do. All right? I think God wants to speak to you. And if you're here, your guest this morning, maybe you wouldn't even say you're a follower of Jesus. You're just, you came in the door this morning. I'm really glad that you're here, but I think you're going to have an opportunity to hear what this hope is all about. Okay? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. 
Uh, I, I think it's important to have a Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to bring one with you. I like to read out of the NIV, but that's just because it's uh, a lot of people use the NIV, so that's what I use here. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can get the app, Bible, uh, YouVersion Bible app for free on your phone. Pull that out. Um, uh, that's great. I have a new Bible. Look at this. Do you like this new Bible? It's my new preaching Bible. I'm going to use this one now. Fresh season. I, need, I figured I needed a new Bible. So, All right. Would you stand with me? We're going to read uh, our primary text this morning. It's just something I like to do just to honor honor God's word together. Mark 11, beginning in verse 1, says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw the cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna, in the highest heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do speak to us, Lord. And you have a word for us today as a church. So Lord, we open our hearts. We stop for a moment and just open our hearts and say, God, we want to hear from you. Would you speak to us? Pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Well, uh, to understand, this is Palm Sunday, right? Today's Palm Sunday. Uh, kind of the beginning of the Passion Week. And that's the story that we just read. Uh, but to really understand, the story's kind of a little weird. Like, uh, uh, if you don't have any context, you're not sure, okay, why is this taking place? So I want to give you a little history uh, of how we get to this point in the story. Uh, we're talking about a group of Jewish people in the nation of Israel. And for centuries, uh, different nations, powerful nations, would kind of persecute the Jewish people and would occupy the land. And at this time, the Roman Empire was in and occupying uh, Israel. And so the Jews are kind of under the, their control, and, and they're not free people anymore. They're kind of under their control. And, and so in these seasons, there was just this desire that somebody would come and set them free. You see, throughout the Old Testament, uh, there is just all these prophecies that talked about the fact that there would be this Messiah who was going to come. This Messiah is coming, and, and he's going to come, and he was the one that was going to save the people. And they knew they needed to be saved, right? They were looking for salvation. And then this Jesus comes along. Jesus shows up, and he starts doing Messiah-like things. He starts healing people. He starts raising people from the dead, and everybody's starting to get excited. They're like, this might be the guy. Maybe this is the guy, okay? But the problem is that their understanding of what a Messiah was like is not exactly what Jesus was like. You see, their understanding of a Messiah was somebody who was going to come and have a hostile takeover. He's going to come in, and he's going to vanquish the Roman Empire. He's going to take over, reestablish a kingdom. He's going to be the king, and Israel will once again be like it was under David and like it was under Solomon. It's going to be this great, powerful kingdom, Okay? And that's what they're hoping is going to happen. Jesus comes in, and, and they're watching him. They're like, okay, well, he's not, he's not quite the hostile takeover guy, but, but he's doing all the miracle stuff, and they get excited. And then, then this day takes place. And it says that Jesus comes in from the east. The Mount of Olives is just east 
of Jerusalem. And there are prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the fact that this Messiah would enter Jerusalem from the east. So the people who know their, know their Old Testament are starting to get like, oh, this might be it. He's coming, okay? And then he gets on a donkey, which seems, doesn't seem real cool to me, but that was, again, a prophecy. This Messiah is going to ride in on a donkey, and once again, they're getting a little, ex- okay, all right. It's starting to happen, guys. It's kind of like just, you can feel it revving up, okay? And, and then these people start saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know what the word Hosanna means? It means save. We, we sing it sometimes. The word Hosanna is save, and it really means save now, like now. These people are saying, this is the Messiah. Save us. Hey, come save us. That's what they're wanting him to come do. And they're getting excited. And this is, it kind of feels like a pep rally. You ever seen these pictures that we have of, of, the, of the Jesus scene, you know? These are like the traditional view of Jesus on Palm Sunday. Slow. I don't really think this is what it was like. Just like, yay, yay. Like, I don't think that's what it was like. I mean, they're like, save, Hosanna, come, save, get it. Go, beat up the Romans, go do this thing. Like, that's what these people are hoping for. The problem is the pep rally ends and the game starts and it doesn't go anything like what these people hoped. Jesus walks in and a few days later, rather than vanquishing the Roman Empire, what does he do? He goes to a cross and he dies. Within a few days, everything has changed. Within a few days, they're, they're going from screaming Hosanna to, to yelling crucify him. In a few days, uh, all of his disciples, all of the followers, the people who were with him, they all leave him and say, forget it, I'm done with this thing, right? In a few days, they realize he's, he's not doing things the way we had hoped he would. And this is this feeling that these people are dealing with, and it's the same feeling that you and I have all the time. We get to these seasons in life like we talked about. where We just, God, I don't get it. This is not what I expected. This is not how I thought things would turn out. And we can have these questions that start to form in our mind where we begin to ask, okay, God, why aren't you doing things the way I want you to? <laughs> you ever ask God that question? Like, well, I, I think I know pretty good. <laughs> you should have done it this way. We begin to ask questions, God, why, why aren't things happening the way I expected they would? And if you're really honest, and, and I'll be honest, there are moments where you get, God, do you even care about me? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever asked that, but uh, you get to the, like, God, all right, do you, hoo do you see me down here? Like, do you, do you see me, right? I think we all get to these places, and, and there's a few things that we need to recognize. The first thing we need to recognize is the words of Jesus. We need, to, we need to remember what did Jesus say, and Jesus said this in the book of Luke. He said this, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. It goes on and says this, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And I think we get into these seasons and we can think that we've been forgotten, totally forgotten. God doesn't care about us. This, this is Jesus saying, listen, you're not forgotten. And maybe you came in this morning and you feel like you've been forgotten. Like it, it took everything in you to get out of bed this morning and show up here. Listen, you are not forgotten. God has not forgot about you. He cares deeply about you. He cares deeply about you. All the hairs on your head are numbered. I got less hairs than I used to have, okay? 
but they're still numbered. The ones I got are numbered, okay? The ones you got are numbered. He cares about you. He has not forgotten you, okay? But that's still hard because it, you're still in this place like, okay, okay, God, you haven't forgotten me, but I'm still not getting things the way I want them. It's still not working out the way I thought it should. And so this is the big so what this morning. Every, every time I preach, I want to have a big so what, a clear point. This is what this thing is about. I don't ever want you to be confused. And here's the big so what. God's greatest concern is our deepest need. God's greatest concern is our deepest need. Listen, he cares more about you than you can ever imagine. But understand this, his greatest concern is our deepest need. What do I mean? Listen, these people, they thought their deepest need was that the Romans would get destroyed. That's what they thought. They said, we need you to come here and vanquish the Romans to set us free. They thought that they need that type of freedom. And they didn't realize there was a totally other kind of freedom that they were completely unaware of. All right? You and I, we, we aren't concerned with our deepest need usually. Sometimes we forget what our deepest needs are. Okay? You know what? Oftentimes what I think my deepest need is? What am I having for lunch? Like, like sometimes that's what my deepest need is, you know? There's times in life we we get so wrapped up in things that just don't really matter. We get wrapped up in the stuff. I can get wrapped up in the stuff. What am I going to wear? You know, what's what kind of car am I going to drive? What kind of house am I? We get wrapped up in these things. You know, we get wrapped up in these relationships, and relationships are so important. But we put all our weight on a relationship, and we don't realize that maybe God is up to something different, right? We get so tied up in all of these uh, different needs and, and these different concerns. We get so focused on happiness. We get so focused on what, what is the job I'm going to have, the career path I'm going to have. And we can get really concerned about what do people think of me. We spend so much of our energy worrying about what other people think of me. Okay? I saw this uh, quote online a couple weeks ago, and I, and I thought of it when I saw this. I love this. In my 20s, I worried about what people thought of me. In my 40s, I stopped caring what people thought of me. In my 60s, I realized no one was thinking about me in the first place. <laughs> I'm waiting to get to my 60s. I want to try and get there sooner. You know, it's true. But if you're real, how much of your energy is spent like, what do people think about me? I make decisions based on that. Like, that's, that's not that important. But listen, God is not like us. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get concerned with all these other things that don't no matter. No, God's greatest concern is our deepest need. That is what he is focused on. And these Jewish people, although they were concerned, they thought it was important. God was saying, no, you don't realize I am doing something different than you can see. You might not see it right now. You might not understand it right now. But you have a spiritual need that I am going to meet. And I'm working even though you don't get it. And how many are grateful that when we don't get it, God is still working? Amen? Okay? When we don't understand what he's doing, we don't see it with our eyes, we can say, God, I trust that you are at work. Your greatest concern is my deepest need. Whatever that need is, I trust that you are working on my behalf. What is that need? We talked about it earlier. Deepest need that you and I have First and foremost is that we need to be saved. We need to be rescued because we are broken. There is nothing. I don't care how cleaned up. Some of you have been following Jesus for 50 years, and you're pretty cleaned up. And we can get to that point. I've been following Jesus basically my whole life. I'm 37 now, okay? And I could get, 
I can get a little arrogant at times because I can think, well, I'm not like those poor fools out there. I'm not like those poor sinners out there. No, 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 no. But for the grace of God, I'm a poor sinner who is broken and lost and has no hope whatsoever. But through Christ, because he loved me so much, he came to me. He, he reached down into the darkness and he said, I will do something for you. I will send my son to die and raise again to give you new life if you would simply surrender your life to me. See, God wants to save us, but it's more than just save it. He wants to save us and he wants to shape us. That's our deepest need. In Romans, it says this, that God's desire is that you would be conformed to the image of his son. What does that mean? He wants you to look like Jesus. That's God's desire. We get focused on all these other things, but God's desire for your life is that you would be saved and you would be shaped. And we don't get it all the time. We get frustrated. We, get, we fight against what God is doing. But hear this this morning, everyone. You need to recognize that God wants to do a work in your life. And in those seasons where you feel like, God, I don't get it. I'm not getting what I expected. You need to rest in this trust. Number one, God cares about you more than you can imagine. He has not forgotten you. And he wants to do the deepest needs. He wants to meet the deepest needs of your life. And if you would surrender and trust in him, he will do things that you can't imagine. Remember, what does God want for you? Does he want to steal, kill, and destroy? No, he wants life. He wants Zoe to flow through your life. He wants to fill you up with something the world can never give you. Listen, you and I, what do we do? We spend a lot of our lives sucking on the faucet of the world. It's like drinking salt water. It does not make you satisfied. But God wants to give you fresh, living water. That's what Jesus talked about, living water that will satisfy, that will never run dry. That's what he wants to do in your life. But will we open our hearts to him? Will we trust him? For me, I said earlier, uh, I don't know, did I say this? I, I have Crohn's disease. Did I tell you this? Okay. It was in my notes, but I forgot to say it. I have Crohn's disease. And, uh, and I've been praying for healing for nine years since I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I, I've gone through seasons where it's not good. I go through seasons where I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay right now. Uh, but in those seasons when it's rough, you better believe how hard I'm praying. God, would you heal me? And I'm a man of faith. Like, I trust that God heals. I believe that he heals and there have been some times in my life when I've been praying and I've just expected God to heal me. I've expected to literally go to the doctor and him say, I don't know, Greg, it's all gone. I've been waiting for that. And it hasn't happened yet. And I'm going to keep praying, but it hasn't happened yet. You know, the, the thing that I have to remind myself in those seasons is to say, okay, God, you care about me. You care deeply about me. You haven't forgotten me. But secondly, God, you are at work and you're maybe doing some things that I don't understand. And it's hard to say that. But if I truly believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he cares that deeply and that he is at work and he is trying and desiring to meet the deepest needs of our souls, then I have to stand in a, in a place of surrender to say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it, Father, but I am gonna choose trust. I am gonna choose to trust you, God. And some of you are here this morning and you're going through a season like that. You don't understand it. You don't get it. You're saying, God, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> not only do I not get it, I don't even like it, God. Okay? My challenge to you this morning is you would say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn my life. I'm going to open my arms and surrender and say, God, I'm, I'm yours. 
even though I don't get it. I'm going to trust that your greatest concern is my deepest need. And when I don't get it, you're working. You are doing something that maybe I don't see yet. Just like those Jewish people were clueless that God was doing something for them. Say, God, I'm going to trust you, okay? And there's some of you here this morning, you come in the room and, and maybe, maybe you used to follow Jesus or maybe you're, you've never followed Jesus before, but you need to understand this, that there is a God in heaven who cares deeply and passionately for you. He loves you. He's saying, listen, listen, I'm not waiting for you to clean your life up so you can be good enough to be around me. He's saying, you know what? I will crawl into the dirt with you and I'll pull you out. That's what God wants to do for you, okay? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much. Thank you so much that you care deeply for us. Thank you so much that you did the stuff that we couldn't do for ourselves, God. You, you came and you rescued us over and over again. And God, you're not done with it, God. I see you rescuing me over and over again in my life, God. Thank you for that, Jesus. Jesus.